At long last, we are back. Empires of the future. We haven't quit. No. We're still at it. Right. It's just that you've been gone. I know. I've been gone, and then a couple weeks before that, just had a lot going on. We had Fall Festival. I don't think we've recorded since the Fall Festival. So uh, I've camped since we last uh, talked. If I sound rougher, uh, that that could be it. Or it could be that after camping, we had a church picnic where we got rained out outside. Uh, After that, we had an annual meeting for the association here at uh, First Southern Baptist Church, which happened... uh, Three days ago now. Yes. So, How did that go? How did the meeting go? It was. It went well. Good. Uh, nothing. There sometimes are um, good things that come out of them, and it was a great time to hear different reports about things that people are doing. For instance, um, hadn't met the guy who's the new Baptist Collegiate Ministry uh, Director at USI. Oh, uh, I didn't know they hired to, someone. Yeah, I got to hear from uh, hear from him about what's going on there, and that was awesome. great. And, and you hear a lot of those kinds of things. And there were no fights. Uh, now they, it yeah. is sort of, there is an element of it that is like a big church business meeting, which I know sounds exciting to everyone. Um, and all that was very short, nothing of much consequence really. Um, yeah. heard about mission trips, heard about some good things. Uh, so uh, yeah, I experienced all that, but what have you done since I last saw you didn't? Man. Well, obviously we had the fall festival, which, you know, we have that fall festival booth down there. So that, that takes up a lot of time and energy on the part of our church in Northwoods who we partner with. Um, but then wait, the, oh. And you guys won Best Walking Taco. I saw it on the news. Whoop, whoop. Yes, we did. Your reputation precedes you. Yes. Best Walking Taco on Franklin Street. That is us. Booth 66, or as we like to call it, Order 66. Uh, love it. Yeah, we did. We won. The, I think it was a, uh, It was Eyewitness News. They did a, a survey where they just put it out to the public. All the booths that have a walking taco down at the Fall Festival um, they put out a poll that you could take and uh, and say vote for who you think has the best, and we won that poll. I think a lot of what we won on is the size of our walking taco because they're they're enormous. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate yep. the yep, shout that. Out. I had, had to um, mention that before you moved on. Yes. Anything yes. else exciting? Yeah. So for the past, we just got back last night. Was gone a total of ten days in Rome. Okay, back to the walking tacos. Uh, no, <laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> Rome's more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So spent the past past week, past 10 days in Rome, along with uh, the rest of a team from my church. So it's myself, uh, one of the other pastors, Aaron, uh, his wife, Lindsay, and uh, and my boy, Mike Cunningham. We went out to, to Rome. Um, and a lot of people might be asking, why on earth did you take a, a, a team from the church to Rome? Well, the reason is because we have begun a partnership with a church in Rome, really a collection of three churches. Uh, and, and the name of, of the church is uh, Breccia di Roma. Now, my pronunciation is not great because my that Italian mean? isn't great. Uh, Breccia di Roma means breach of Rome. Oh. That was a reference to back in the uh, the 1800s when the walls of Rome were breached mm-hmm. um, by the, the military and to, to end a sort of um, occupation, a sort of a tyranny there in Rome. Uh, I think it was in uh, it was in the 1870s, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, so the church is named after that same thing, um, and it's a collection of, of three churches. There was one that was the original church that was planted there, Breccia de Roma, and uh, then there are two other churches that have both been plants of Breccia de Roma. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in the San Pablo, or excuse me, uh, San Paolo neighborhood of Rome, which is just sort of a it's Rome, but it's a neighborhood inside uh, that na- that city. And then another one in the the neighborhood of Prati in Rome. So there's uh, Breccia di Roma uh, Central, Breccia di Roma 
San Paolo, and Breccia de Roma Prati. And as you've already told me, those are independent churches, but the, uh, the two were, the mission, were missions from the first. Yep. 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 So, so um, Breccia, I think, has been in existence now for about 15 years, the original, and they have, have since planted those two churches mm-hmm. uh, with plans to plant at least two more yeah. uh, over the next, like, 10 years. So, um, yeah, we, we've begun a partnership with them, uh, and... Yeah, so we we went over there and in a sort of on a sort of vision trip, if you will, to go and visit the churches there and uh, see the kind of work that they were doing and what the Lord was doing in Rome through their churches. Um, and so, yeah, it was really cool to to go over there and get to meet some of the pastors, uh, Clay, Leonardo, um, uh, Jean Luca, who's the pastor at uh, Saint Paolo, um, Reed. Car. I mean, I, I'm naming these names out. I know you <laughs> I mean probably nothing to most people. Name but dropping. You yes. know Reed and Carr. Yes, <laughs> believe it or not. I know Reed. Its name is Reed, Reed Carr. Oh, wait. Reed and Clay. Reed and Clay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, really, really awesome folks that we got to meet, along with a whole host of others that I could I could go through and, and name them off. But A, my pronunciation will probably not be very good. And B, we'd be here for a while. So yeah, it was a really cool experience to get to go. It was my first time in Europe. Um and I can't think of a reason that would be more motivating to get me there than to go and visit uh, some some churches there in Rome. Because I didn't really have like I'm not a artsy guy. I don't really oftentimes feel the the draw that people have to like vacation in Europe. I've yeah. never felt that desire. Um, but to learn that there are faithful uh, confessional Baptist churches there in Rome that are that are doing the work of of reaching the uh, the city was really cool to find out and really cool to go and see the the work that was happening there. Right. And I mean, uh, you mentioned to me earlier that one of the uh, men you met, which which one is uh, an IMB missionary? So um, so Reed is an IMB missionary. Clay, I, I believe, at least started Reed as an Carr. IMB. Reed Carr, you got it. <laughs> uh, Clay, I believe, started as an IMB missionary. Okay. Uh, but now I think most of his, his funding, rather than coming through the IMB, comes through uh, the organization that he's affiliated with there in Rome, as yeah. well as a small um, salary that he makes through the church yeah. as he pastors there. So, yeah, because it's a very different model there as uh, that they have. It's not really even necessarily just because they have a certain model, uh, but most of the pastors there uh, in Rome who are, who are pastors of Protestant evangelical churches are bivocational mm-hmm. because you might not realize this, Protestantism is not the dominant religion in uh, you don't in Rome. Say. I you I do say, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know that comes as a shock to everyone, um, but yeah. So just the ability that churches have to pay their pastors a full time salary, yeah. frankly, just isn't there. Sure. Um, and so yeah. So it's it's a little bit different when I when I say that and why I sort of explain it that way that it's different than the context we live in that they don't have any pastors that the church just completely funds. Their pastors because their churches aren't big enough and their people don't make enough money to do that. Um, so their churches are guys who work a regular job as well as uh, pastor and minister to the church. So yeah, really really cool to see awesome awesome men um, and and women that are working there in Rome, um, hoping to as the name implies, um, breach Rome with the gospel. Sure, uh, I'll tell you a cool story yeah. about how the name came about. They taught us this uh, when we were there. So so. Obviously, the breach of Rome has already implications uh, with regards to to the war and the military breaching the wall and and uh, freeing the city. And in a sense, that's a part of the that's the, that's the goal with the gospel too. What mm-hmm. these churches have in mind, they want to breach Rome with the gospel uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, but something really cool I found out was on the day that the wall was breached. I don't mean 
in the same year, I don't mean a week after, the day that the military busted through, basically blew a hole in the wall at Rome and entered Rome, that very same day, there were missionaries that entered Rome mm-hmm. with Bibles and began proclaiming the gospel to a people yeah. who were desperate to hear it and had mm-hmm. been cut off from it. Because uh, just as those walls cut off uh, cut off the military and cut off people from right. the outside world, right. it cut off people from access to the gospel and to the scriptures. Um, and so what's really it's a really cool thing to think about that on the same day, there were missionaries that were there ready to right. enter yeah. Rome. And as soon as the military breached through the hole in the wall, they followed through that yeah. same hole in the wall on the very same day uh, to proclaim the gospel. So really, really cool story. Um, yeah. Really, really cool to see what's going on in Rome and such an encouragement to me. I I came home and even the whole time I was there, I just found myself being so refreshed and excited to see what God was doing. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you one more yeah. uh, question. Um and who knows, maybe this will be more of a topic of conversation in the future, but to sort of, there's so much that happens on a trip. Anybody who's been on a trip like this, especially a trip, not, not a vacation is hard to explain, but even a trip like this that has purpose uh, of the gospel and, and looking for gospel partnerships, making plans. There's so much that happens that when people come back and say, how was the trip? It's very hard to encapsulate. Um, but we who are believers in Jesus, we put our hope in him to explain our value, to explain why we can have redemption, why there is freedom from our sins, that because of his work, we don't have to justify ourselves. We don't have to make up stories about how good people we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to lie about the the sin, selfishness, and evil that is in, our, in us, has been in us in our past. Um, and one thing I know that you and I just having had lunch is that uh, you were taken on a tour of the idols of Rome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you said, I think, a really, really powerful and wise thing that it would be wise for all of us to know the idols in our own cities and hearts. Um, but what were the four idols of Rome that you visited? Uh, and, and I, I want to bring that up so that we can be thinking about the idols that exist in our cities and in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the four... Now, to be clear, the the, the four idols of Rome... It can be a somewhat misleading, depending on where your brain immediately goes, misleading uh, title for some people because uh, it's not uh, for statues or items sure. that the people are bowing down and worshiping to. Much like in the United States, right. and in the same way in the hearts of all people, there are things, ideas, concepts mm-hmm. which uh, the people worship rather than worshiping God. Yeah, and so and we worship them because we think they justify us, mm-hmm. because they give us respect or value. It makes us feel better about ourselves. It gives us, um, in our own minds, a justification for the things that we do and for thinking that we're self-sustaining. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so uh, the four, uh, I'm going to hopefully remember them correctly because I don't have them. You did once. We'll see if you can again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, were the Pax Romana, and are you familiar with what the word Pax Romana means? Peace of Rome. Yep, Roman peace. This is peace. probably the only right. one I really knew before you mentioned it to me. Yet. Yep, uh, so that was uh, that was one. Uh, the second one was uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, um, Roman Catholicism in general, um, being a, a religion that, in case again, in case you didn't realize, just completely holds sway there. Uh, there in Rome, um, even for people, even though Rome is largely a secularized culture, mm-hmm. if you ask people in Rome, even the most secular people, the people who are most the most in Rome separated from religiosity or mm-hmm. spirituality. You ask them what they are, and they're Roman Catholic. Yeah. I'm Rome. To be Roman is to be Roman Catholic, right? Um, 
and there's no getting around that as you walk around the city and mm-hmm. see all the basilicas and the the statues and the uh, the images and all the things. It's it's just completely saturates the culture, right? Um, so so the Roman Catholic Church, um, a sort of aspect of uh, well well Roman conquest and the Roman Empire mm-hmm. was another one, uh, and then uh, I'm gonna mess up. I don't remember the Italian word for it. But it's the Italian phrase for the good life. Yeah. Uh, and there's actually a movie back in like the, I don't know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, somewhere in that era <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was made uh, about the the good life yeah. um, represented by uh, Italian culture and especially in Rome. Right. This It has sort of taken on this reputation of being a place of pleasure and mm-hmm. and comfort and and getting the good things, you know, mm-hmm. the delicious food, the uh, the good. Um, oh, what what's the best way to say this? Um, pleasure. I mean, just pleasure sure. in, in every form, whether it be sexual or yeah. or whether it be um, otherwise. But all of these things are sort of wrapped up in kind of the the uh, Roman idea of the good life, and, mm-hmm. and really, I think largely this could be applied to the Italian idea of the good life mm-hmm. and that sort of idol that's that's endemic to a lot of the culture there. Um, so yeah, those are the four idols. So Pax Romana, Roman Catholic Church, uh, the Roman Empire, and the idea of kind of conquest and patriotism uh, ah, yes. associated patriotism, with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the good life yeah. that's represented by Italian culture and thinking. So Right, and, and to bring these up, um, our hearts, as John Calvin has said, are idol factories. We can wake up in the morning and be on the right track if we say first thing and every day, Lord, I, I have nothing to offer you but that Jesus has died for my sins and that I can be found in him and have a new life. But within an hour, someone can treat us badly and we go, well, who who are you to treat me like that? And our pride can well up and we go, well, I'm a, I'm a person who matters and, and, and we can immediately try to justify ourselves by some other uh, means. And what, what idols are, are mid-level or low-level things that we elevate to the top, right? To our own detriment, but to, uh, to God's wrath where, where God says, what, why would you poison yourself and treat me as if I matter less than pleasure or as if I matter less than a country? Uh, you know, uh, and so for instance, um, in, in our churches, one of the things we have to be, watch out for, we, our families can become an idol. If you oh. use your family as an excuse, why you can't serve God, why you can't spend time on the things of God, yeah. that can be an idol. It is an idol in, yeah. in some of our hearts and in some of our churches, um, just as some of these idols are in common, pleasure, Correct. Uh, we will think things like, who could fault me for making pleasure the main goal of my life? It's like, oh, God can. Right. And God will. If that, if you make that the main goal of your life, uh, it's specifically outlined in the scriptures that if your God is your belly, uh, that God has condemned that attitude and that mm-hmm. way of life. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, it's like you overheard some of our conversations that we were having even after having done that tour, because that's one of the exact things I said. I'm like, you hear the the, the idols of Rome as they're talked about from mm-hmm. uh, from his Leonardo, who sort of walked us through that. Um, and it's like, man, some of those I hear echoes of the idols of uh, of Evansville, or you could say the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are slightly different. Like in, in, in Rome, there's a sort of collective pride in the, the unity, the oneness mm-hmm. of... Um, 
of Rome and sort of finding your identity in the collective and in being, mm -hmm. you know, Roman and these kinds of things. And some of that's true of Americans, but in a sense also of uh, finding a, a, an identity and a pleasure in, uh, in the idol itself being individuality yeah, and sure. an ultimate kind of like um, autonomy mm -hmm. is something that's worshipped here in the United States above all else. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have a feeling we will talk about this uh, in the future, if nothing else, because yeah. this touches so many things. Yeah. Um, but we are going to shift to another uh, quite complicated topic and one that's completely different, but very local. Yeah. Uh, an article I read last week, uh, sent it to you. You were still in Rome when you got it, right? Yep. Um, and it, it reads like this. This is the, the title. Uh, company says facial recognition can't be used in arrests, but it's happening in Evansville. Uh, this is out of uh, the Evansville Courier and Press uh, by Houston Harwood, uh, dated the 19th of October here in 2023. Um, and so this crosses um, the lines of AI, uh, specifically facial recognition uh, AI, uh, and then prosecution of crimes and how that's already being done despite claims that by the company that you shouldn't do it. You, that's not what this is for, and you can't use it for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is, that is the topic, but there's a lot of things here that, uh, that matter in terms of the gospel, in terms of our own sins, all the way up to our own crimes. And so when I read it, uh, it seemed to me just something for us to think about because it— it will come down to some questions about how much information you willingly put about yourself online because it is being used yeah. for a variety of purposes. And something that, while it is challenging to know how to act wisely in our times, given the fact that things are changing very rapidly, um, we still are responsible to be as wise as we can. It means be as shrewd as serpents and as harmless as doves in the way that we live our lives. And so it's important to go through this. Um, what were your first thoughts when you saw this article? Yeah, I think my first thoughts were, so um, I think you kind of set the stage, but just to set it further. So basically sure. what's happening and that this article is bringing to light is that there's this uh, AI company, it's called Clear, Clearview AI, um, that has created this facial recognition software that can look at pictures, images, you just plug them in, and it can look at that image of a person's face and and connect it to and identify it with a specific person, and it can do so by looking that person up on, like like you said, a whole host of different websites, including Facebook, Instagram, um, yeah. LinkedIn, whatever. Yeah, Twitter. Think about any oh, yeah. anywhere your picture might be and associated with your name. Right. Boom. Okay, they've got that tied to you, and they can. Right. It can identify these pictures. You can take a security camera footage, a still image of the picture, plug it in, and it'll say, "Oh, well." Looks a lot like this guy named Denton Nice, who is uh, is on Facebook right here. You know, mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a very impressive technology. It's a technology that this company has has created, and that the Evansville Police Department is using in a way that the company says, "Hey, don't use this." The company has said this isn't allowed to be used uh, to uh, make arrests or to prosecute people. Uh, that is not what this technology is intended for. And then come to find out, the Courier and, Fre Courier and Press has discovered, oh, the Evansville Police Department seems to be using that very technology that they said don't use it for this, for that exact purpose. Well, and then for the first time this year, the uh, Evansville Police Department has openly said 
yeah, here's about 10 cases where it yeah. provided the leads yes. that that we used to obtain probable cause for a warrant. And yes. we, we it, it gave us leads to go and ask people, hey, we we have reason to believe this person was here. Did you see them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. and that's what's happening with it. Yeah. And and I think that at first blush, a lot of us will go, oh, we're talking about uh, somebody breaking into somebody's house. We're talking about somebody shoplifting, which is where we're going to go initially mm-hmm. here. Um, well, if that helps the police to catch them, then all the better. Yeah. Uh, and that, may that was be... that was my first thought. Yes. And uh, you and asked it, me what it, my first thought was. It was like, cool. The the police, the justice system is using these tools like AI to catch bad guys. Mm-hmm. Huh, sounds good. Um, I think if, if we think more deeply, uh, you, you, you can land there. That mm-hmm. if, if we're talking about, um, uh, let's say, a felony, uh, you know, which would be a, you stole a certain amount. Um, you stole a car, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could could end up landing it. Well, we, we want facial recognition software to be able to be used uh, by law enforcement in that uh, in that instance. Um, but we're going to have to think carefully about what is going to happen with this because, uh, for instance, why? Well, as Christians, I mean, uh, one place we're going to land is Matthew 25 says, look, my people will be marked by their concern for various groups that others have given up on. One of those groups, there's six types of people mentioned in Matthew 25, hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, in prison. You should be concerned for those who are imprisoned. Just because society isn't concerned about them, just because society has given up on them or, or considers them of no value, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean that you should. And not only that, if you care for them, you have cared for me, Jesus says. Mm-hmm. If you have not cared for them, you have not cared for me. Well, that ought to make us think a little differently uh, about what's happening here, because we do live in a society that has um, no concept. I, I will go ahead and I, I'm not using that lightly. I think a society that has no concept of redemption, mm. no concept of how someone can be freed from their sins or then even go beyond sin to a crime when have they paid enough restitution? Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have any idea how to judge that mm-hmm. because what we, what we specialize in is condemnation. We yeah. specialize in this person is beyond the pale. They have said something that I view as reprehensible. They have done something that I view as reprehensible. And therefore, they're unlike me, undeserving of any kind of forgiveness. And that is a gospel. It's just not the true gospel. I mean, that is, that is a bit of news. Uh, that is a, a yeah. view of the world, um, but it is not, it, it, the good news that it is, is that's how I get these people away from me mm-hmm. so that they don't uh, harm me. Well, that's what criminal justice is for that. It is for mm-hmm. containing wrongdoers, but mm-hmm. not all wrongdoing is of the same kind. And there is such a thing as redemption, yeah. because what is shocking about the Christian gospel is who is beyond redemption? Uh, no one necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if they're there, you don't know who they are. So you are to proclaim the gospel to everyone, expecting them to repent. And Jesus is willing mm-hmm. to save sinners. Yeah. So um, there is no type of person that God is not willing to forgive. Um, and we should. I mean, Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. We yep. should. A, a person who is wise uh, 
should view themselves as the type of person who might have been without any chance of redemption and forgiveness. But nonetheless, Jesus is a friend to sinners. Yeah. And that is the good news. And so that puts us in this place that we have to be concerned about those who commit crimes and those who commit sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we are that kind of person, uh, we have to have a lot of questions about this. Um, so we'll have some biblical backgrounds to this, but let's get into the details of exactly kind of how this works. Um, so, like you said, uh, the CEO of Clearview, whose company provides the Evansville Police Department with facial recognition technology, uh, said the software's results are, quote, only leads for law enforcement, end quote, and should be treated like a, quote, anonymous tip, end quote, from the public. Right. So um, so you have that. Well, this is just let's compare this to an anonymous tip. Um, the facts uh, continue, quote, Evansville police, however, have claimed and sworn arrest affidavits that they used Clearview AI to conclusively identify crime suspects. According to a, a Courier and Press review of probable cause affidavits, they refer to facial recognition technology. It's hard. Um, none of us really exactly understands AI uh, <laughs> and what it's capable of. And frankly, one of the things that we've heard in the past few months that I should give everyone pause is the people who are putting AI together say, slow, we should slow down. Yeah. Because it's capable of more than even those of us who put it together can judge yeah. and can contain. We are teaching it how to learn from itself how to learn from experiments, how to learn from data, how to read, say, the entire internet <laughs> and synthesize that data. And that's concerning. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes you think about uh, Skynet to anybody who is familiar with the Terminator <laughs> movies. Um, you just yeah. have to be careful with this. And they're literally, there are whistleblowers, people who have made this stuff and who have made a lot of money off this stuff saying, uh, I'm a little concerned because other people are making this stuff, trying to make a lot of money off of this stuff. And it, as... Very, very, very dangerous implications. And so we can say that, but in terms of um, how to, I was trying to think, how can I even help my own uh, self to get my head around this? Um, Think about this. Um, Some of us are old enough to remember life before social media. And initially, Facebook said, look, all we're trying to do is connect people. Even if you buy that line... Um, we've talked about in the past that to know someone's name is a connection. To know, to be able to connect a face with that name is a connection. Um, to rob someone is also a connection. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that that is not anywhere in Facebook's mission statement. Right. Uh, there are various kinds of connections. Cain connected with Abel. Yeah. Um, and and so you have that, but you can you you know if you were to ask TikTok, what what is it trying to do? We're we're only sharing ten second videos. Which that's all we're that's all we're doing. Oh, it, yeah. Is is that the total sum then of TikTok's effect on humanity right now? Yeah. Um, uh, another very very specific one that I, I I think you have to do some exercises like this. Um, do you I when we've been running, uh, I use Strava. Do you use an app? Yeah, use I use the uh, Asics running. Okay. App. Yeah. Um, I looked up uh, what Strava says is its mission, and it uh, it says right on their front page of their website uh, to enhance the experience of sport and connect millions of athletes from around the world. Um, and look, I, I use it. I chose to use it. I'd used the Nike Run Club before. Um, 
one story that some people haven't heard about Strava is that what what they do um, on their social media presence is when you run and you say end run, it uploads a map of where you started and where you ended. Uh, <laughs> which how, how well it could go wrong helping people connect. You yeah. see where this year this person around you ran. Uh, well, uh, then. Uh, Somebody on the internet saw where a particular woman was starting and stopping on her runs and then showed up there where she typically was and killed her. That happened? That happened. Oh, my goodness. And they, they got the information from the... From the app. From the app. It's right there. Oh, my goodness. So now, if you use Strava, it hides the first, say, quarter mile of your run so that people can't to a pinpoint know where you start and where you end still still. yeah still dangerous because it's like uh they they know the middle then yeah um so it is it is the type of thing where here's the danger we can think of positive purposes for these things people who are criminal actors can think of all kinds of negative purposes but then further on, we're moving to the next level of analysis, which is what if we give the state enormous power uh, in knowing information about people, where they are, what they do? Um, what's going to happen with that? Well, we're going to explore that here um, because that's, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says in the next uh, paragraph, quote, the EPD's use of facial recognition technology did not garner public attention until this year when the Courier and Press reported that the department had quietly utilized Clearview AI's tools for years with little scrutiny or oversight. So this has been going on for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think they said since 2021, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's interesting. What I think we're getting into here, just to uh, say as well, like, we're kind of just seeing the first hints of where this is all going mm-hmm. and and where the conversation ought to be directed. Because honestly, you read this article, and this article is not intended to be like, here's a list of injustices that the EPD has committed by using AI. That's not actually the thrust of the article. In fact, the indication of the article seems to be like, none of these people were wrongfully convicted. So there were right. people convicted, and at least a small part... Uh, AI or facial recognition placed, played at least a small part in getting to that end conclusion. Yeah. Um, the, but all of them seem to be, and they seem as well as you ever can, to be have done and conducted rightly. And there's, it's not a, an injustice article about these. All of these people have been wrongfully, right. um, wrongfully convicted because of the use of AI and facial recognition. But it is pointing to say we are beginning to see, okay, there could be problems with this. Not could be, definitely will be. And we need to start thinking about those things. Well, and and I will say that I think there could already have been wrongful convictions, sure. but yeah. we just don't know about that yet. Right. Because the way facial recognition software works is it measures things like the distance between your eyes, the triangle between your eyes and your nose, your eyes and your mouth, and then that data is able to analyze it. Excuse me. And like it says, if you have put pictures of yourself on, say, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, well, those are all in a database. 
so that it's it's functionally and it mentions this exact phrase that that's that that's functionally a mugshot yeah <laughs> that a a powerful ai can analyze and find the measurements of your eyes judged by the camera angle that they have say at a convenience store where you are suspected of being compare that measurement to a facebook profile picture and then go match and then there is the beginning of an investigation. The challenge is, how many other people in the world have your same measurements? Uh, that depends. Because yeah. you could be in Walmart walking down the aisle with mirrors and a certain set of lighting. And it's guessing. There is, there is going to be a, a, uh, a bit of give as far as how, how, how it's measuring you. And then that measurement, then they boom, bring you up. And if you kind of look like that person, somebody that saw you at Walmart might say, oh, yeah, that guy, I saw him. As yeah. if there's nobody else in the world that looks like you. Um, there have been people who have been wrongfully identified, yes, through the means of people. Yeah. But we have thousands of years uh, of dealing with that. Right. We don't know how to deal with this right. yet. And the other thing that we all know about the internet is someone right now could invent uh, a new kind of firework in Nigeria. They could upload it to YouTube. I could see it in the next five minutes. Because internet moves really fast. You know what moves really slow? litigation uh and not not just litigation uh lawmaking so that is that firework illegal no it was invented five minutes ago well so it's legal yeah <laughs> uh and 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 that's uh, thankfully that firework can't be transmitted through the internet you know what can ai software yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's where we are yeah and so in this very article, when questioned about, well, what are the guidelines yeah. that the police department has in how to use this? What is their answer? They have none. Yeah. We have none, but we are operating according to all laws. Yeah. Well, because there aren't any. Yeah. So it says when the Courier and Press filed a public records request seeking any written EPD policies governing the use of facial recognition technology by officers, the department responded by stating it had no such policy other than Clearview's AI terms of service and user code of conduct, which their service and user code of conduct from the company, Clearwater, uh, or Clearview AI, says, don't use it for these purposes. <laughs> right, I mean, the uh, quote, here's the next, the next line, quote, the Clearview app is neither designed nor intended to be used as a single source system for establishing the identity of an individual and users may not use it as such, the company's user code of conduct states. Furthermore, such search results produced by the Clearview app are not intended nor permitted to be used as admissible evidence in a court of law or any court filing. Yeah, so what, what you're saying and what's happening as we're seeing is that um, policy, both public policy and even policy within departments is not up to date and is not keeping up with the speed of technology and the advancements, right. particularly the advancements in AI, which by any measurement are, they're staggering how fast, uh, AI is advancing. Um, I actually, you know, this is kind of funny. We talk about, 
Um, we talked about the the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, the annual um, national convention, and this year we talked about it briefly. There was passed a statement regarding uh, AI, mm-hmm. which I was pretty cool. And actually, we're the first sort of collection of, of churches and, and a religious first religious group that has taken or adopted any sort of statement regarding AI, um, which is kind of interesting. I don't remember what the statement said. <laughs> I haven't read it, but I know we have one. Right. Um, but yeah, this technology is moving so fast and policies just aren't keeping up with it. And we're beginning to see that it could be a problem right? Uh, with these policies not keeping up with it. I think the, the technology in and of themselves, we're beginning to see and realize all the problems that they could pose that maybe a bunch of us, maybe hardly anyone, realized at first as these technologies were being developed. We didn't realize all the different ways that there could be issues, that there could be abuses, that there could be problems. And again, we're not saying, neither is is the Courier and Press, that people, these people that we're talking about have been wrongfully convicted. But one thing we are recognizing is that there seems to be a serious lack of oversight yes. regarding all these things. The Evansville Police Department is basically like, hey, no, 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 we're using it properly and appropriately. Trust us. We're using it properly. That's kind of right. like, no offense, but that can't be the way we operate. Right. Hey, just trust us to use it properly. Right. Uh, that can't be any sort of, especially an authority in a, in a law enforcement sector that can't be just the way it goes that you just trust us to do it right um but one of the things that's that's all and all that is also interesting is that we only have these number of cases where it was mentioned in the affidavits and in the testimonies they don't even have to disclose it they're not obligated to say that they were led to to go and address this person because of ai or or um facial recognition they don't have to disclose any of that they can just be like hey we just had a hunch that you might know something about this stolen television from Walmart. <laughs> right. Um, another uh, detail on this page I want to quote is is sort of what we mentioned a minute ago, but, but to just connect it, the, these are real people having to make real decisions about this, and they need more oversight. Uh, who watches uh, the watchers is a reasonable right. question. We all need accountability. Um, so... It says here, quote, Vanderburgh County Prosecutor Diana Moores uh, and the EPD maintain that local law enforcement use Clearview AI and other advanced investigative tools responsibly and abide by all relevant state and federal laws. Yes, there aren't any, um, <laughs> but there should be. And, and then specifically say, OK, so, but what are they doing with them? Well, they're they are using them and and, and uh they cited, it says, quote, uh, the EPD cited Clearview AI or facial recognition te- technology at least 10 times in arrest affidavits linked to shoplifting or theft cases between 2021 and 2023. Uh, public records show, though the true number may be higher, detectives are under no obligation to disclose their use of facial recognition technology in arrest affidavits, which is what you said a minute ago. And, uh, and that was the end of that quote. Um, but here's the thing. Um, here's where it gets concerning to me. Many of us have heard and uh, that at the end of the month sometimes uh, speeding tickets increase in their numbers and that this may or may not be linked to the fact that there are certain quotas that uh, officers have to meet in terms of that they have data on how many people speed and they expect officers to write a certain number of tickets. I'm sure that... Uh, this is one of those things um, 
being a police officer is very difficult. And so am I advocating that police officers give a speeding ticket to every person they see speed? I know they have to make their judgment calls. And I believe they are duly put in that position that God has equipped, in fact, uh, vocationally certain people to be in that position of being a police officer, making that judgment. I, I pray for them. I want them to do their job. I have friends who are police officers in this town, but they need oversight just like I do. I am not a person, and you are not a person who is without oversight, who doesn't answer to anybody. We all need to answer to somebody because power unchecked uh, corrupts. Uh, and this is, this is a power that has been given that is, is taking us a lot of different places. Why is this a concern? Well, look, if we can grant that it is a little bit of concern that maybe at the end of the month speeding tickets increase. Uh, I do know that the danger of bureaucracy is if someone gets a city or a state job, that they will do everything that they can to keep that city or that state job with the benefits. I do know anyone who questions this. Government has only gotten bigger in this country and in pretty much every country over the histories of those countries. The trajectory of a country is government starts small, gets bigger and bigger, and it only gets smaller if that country falls. Mm -hmm. The government also falls. So that there's an incentive for bureaucracy to increase and expand. And if you couple that with this, uh, here, here this ought to raise concerns for everyone. How many stop signs have you run in your life? Zero. <laughs> how many red lights have you run? How many, how many stop signs have you failed to completely stop at? Or how many red lights have you failed to completely stop at before you took your right turn? Okay, well, whatever that number is. What if all those were recorded and the state could just decide, well, uh, we're down in revenue. Or we need a little bit more. Let's just not let's not push so that far. Let's just say, well, we need a, a little bit more here at the end of the month. Let's just call in every failure to stop completely today. That that will increase our revenue um, for a state which is hungry, and the state is hungry for revenue. It, mm -hmm. it always is. Tax dollars and uh, all of these uh, kinds of dollars, uh, they're always looking for. Well, here's the thing. How many do we call in? Yeah. Um, how much crime do you prosecute? Which ones? Yeah. Do you only? What if there's certain kinds of people who are troublemakers? Do we want to? Well, we can obviously. Yeah. Uh, repeat offenders. Do repeat offenders uh, go under more scrutiny? Uh, will they be punished? What's the best way to? Uh, what's the best way to to predict future behavior? With past behavior. <laughs> So yeah, probably they they would at least be watched. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot kind of wrapped up in what you're saying there. Um, and do you mind if I like ask you a question? This is not intended to be like hostile or, or anything. Yeah. Well, are you um are you a sort of are you anti using AI and facial recognition in the prosecution of crimes? Are you opposed? At this point, yes. At this point, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I. I Having lived, it's very funny. Basically, right now, I've lived half my life in what I would call uh, an analog age and half in a digital age. Yeah. And if what we were talking about 
was there are these video cameras. Law enforcement can pull up video camera footage of a convenience store that was robbed and they can then look at it. A human being looking at that footage is a different thing Mm -hmm. to me than a machine pulling up all the footage and making a judgment based on an algorithm. Uh, Because if nothing else, some of us trust that quote-unquote dispassionate judgment a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's better. And I don't believe that... uh, I, I... the further down uh, creation you get, the less I trust it. And these things are tools made by man, not understood by other men and women, <laughs> being used nonetheless. Uh, why? Well, because we can. And until we have any ideas about how to use it, no, I don't, I don't think it should be used. And so I'll, st- I'll stand there. Where do you stand? Um, I definitely, I think, I don't think the problem is that it's used. I think there needs to be more oversight. And I think, especially depending on what this, what the crime is, it should be used as they're suggesting it should be here simply to, okay, point you in in a right direction. I don't think it should be ever be able to be used as like definitive proof. Like AI says that is Denton Ice in this picture, or that is so-and-so in this picture, so therefore, they're guilty. Uh-huh. I'm, not a, I'm not for that. But I don't, I actually, I don't have a problem with it being used to say, well, we have this footage of you, and we ran it through AI, or, or, or allegedly of you, of this person, we ran it through AI, it said it was you, so we went and we investigated you, and our investigation turned out, ah, you're the guilty party. Yep. I'm not opposed to it being used in that way. I think there needs to be oversight. I think there needs to be policy involved. I, that's really where the conversation is for me more than anything else of of getting the policy to where it needs to be. AI isn't going anywhere. It's not going to yeah. become less a part of our life. It's going to become more. And I think really the question lies with what are the policies going to be and and everything. And they're going to some are going to be wrong. They're going to get things wrong at times. We as a as a people, as a society, as a world, whatever. Um, and I say that even knowing some, certainly not all, some of the potential risks and problems that are coming come in the future with it. I know that that's, that's the case. But, you know, AI isn't going anywhere. I don't think it's going to be any less a part of those things. I think by, yeah. But in some ways, I, I think it's good. I think it's good that justice can be served more effectively by the use of AI. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, certainly... If we move into a situation like you're talking about with like, honestly, I almost feel like we're at a point where they could more easily prosecute traffic crimes, uh, traffic or traffic violations. They don't call them crimes, I guess. Traffic violations. That's a crime though. But um, they are doing that, I think, in certain cities, certain places. Like there's cameras on. In Chicago. um, Yeah. I know. I mean, a friend of mine told me last week, you run a red light. They mailed me a ticket. You get mailed a ticket. That's right. That's right. And uh, I don't really have a problem with that. I think it would definitely modify the way i drive <laughs> yeah. uh but i even though i wouldn't enjoy it i'm okay with it because whenever i do speed and confession time i do sometimes speed uh i do sometimes fail to completely stop at stop signs and red lights before i turn um i understand that it would be just and right for the government to punish me for those things that i do those infractions that i make I think there is a bigger moral question, and we're going to get to that. Um, 
some bigger moral questions on like, therefore, there was a long time in American history where a lot of what was necessary for traffic to function the way it was supposed to, and, and still to this day to, to a large degree, it was reliant upon a person's willingness to submit to rules that were going to largely be unenforced. Mm-hmm. We all know that there aren't police officers at every stoplight, every intersection, every place where there's a speed limit sign. But we also know that we are still obligated and expected to abide by the traffic laws. Mm -hmm. And even though we might be more prone to breaking some than others, by and large, we all still obey those rules Mm -hmm. because we understand that the only way it's going to work effectively is if we all, on our honor, abide by the the regulations and the rules and the guidelines laid down. If we come to a place where we are only abiding by those regulations, those rules of, of the traffic laws, right? If we come to a place where we're only abiding by those because they're watching, then it it does say a certain something about where we've come as a culture, that the only way we will ever obey rules or commit to rules is if we know we're being watched and definitely will be punished accordingly. Yeah. Uh, all integrity is removed. Yeah. Because that is what integrity is. It is... Who you are when no one's looking. Who sure. you are and what you're doing when no one's watching. Um so yeah, I do think this, an admittance of that, or or <laughs> I don't know, it does seem to me to be undercutting any need for integrity or any value in integrity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just me sort of thinking out loud to a certain degree. But to answer the question, no, I'm not opposed to AI being used in minor roles in prosecution. Yeah. Um, there's so much to think about here. Another layer that I, I would like to throw out is that... Um, I, I, whenever I read about privacy concerns, uh, I fall on the side of the individual, uh, generally. So by that, I mean that, um, do you own your pictures? Do you own your data? Uh, yes, I, I, I am against phones picking up speech when you are not giving it to them on purpose oh they're uh, doing it and they are yeah and i i'm against all of that and i think that if if we do move toward justice in our society i think it will move towards more privacy and more ownership for individuals that these companies have claimed only because they've had the power to yeah uh they made a phone they made which is a which is a personal computing device you carry on you at all times uh, it's like a wire that you just agree to wear and that's our problem yeah. with a lot of this if you choose to be on facebook yes that you did that but you also need it to be stated to you clearly what you are sacrificing by doing that. For instance, I think if there is going to be a camera on a stoplight, there needs to be a clear indication that that camera is there. And I, one of the biggest reasons why I feel this way is that I have sneaking suspicions that uh, some, if not a lot, of the anxiety increases we've been seeing are due to two facts. One, you don't know when other people are watching you or mm-hmm. when they might watch you later because you mm-hmm. don't know when you're being filmed. Um, and two, you don't know what they're going to do with that. And then three, you're a human who sometimes says a different word than you intended to say. Mm-hmm. You're also a human who sometimes flies off the handle and does things you regret. Yeah. Like pick your nose. Uh, sure. I fly, I fly off the handle and pick my nose all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> During this podcast, just doing it. 
<laughs> you guys don't know. Um, <laughs> so these three concerns alone warrant rethinking this whole situation. And I think explains some of what we're dealing with in terms of anxiety, because it is very anxiety inducing to go. I could have been recorded on my college campus. Mm -hmm. I could have, and that recording may come back and bite me. Mm -hmm. And cameras don't everybody says uh or everybody says it it's it's a statement that out there oh pictures don't lie oh pictures can misrepresent a situation (laughs) definitely it can look like you grab someone inappropriately when you didn't but it can just look like that yeah and um we believe our eyes we are limited beings who are doing a lot of things every day and not able to exactly judge especially uh from cameras are so strange because they're from a certain vantage point and then you can watch them over and over again and make your judgment about what you think is happening there and then all of a sudden you feel like oh i know what's happening there yeah you don't you don't don't. so people who actually deal with this know this kind of stuff but what we are engaged in um the the thing that i i i caution is there is sometimes a feeling like well that surely they're thinking this through though Oh, that's not at all given. Um, this is stuff that we've never seen before that we are give, being given access to and people are using. And I, I just, I, I certainly think there ought to be oversight. Um, by the way, uh, detectives do not require a warrant to perform facial recognition services. Should they? I think that's a reasonable discussion yeah. to have. Should, yeah. th- should you have to have a warrant before you are able to search? Because that, that just... It is invasive. Yeah. Um, do I know the answer to that question? I, I don't. But I, I think we ought to think that through before we just uh, go all the way down this. Because I think, I think that everybody realizes the stakes are different when you start talking about misdemeanors and recordings and um, things that uh, are a little closer to the everyday. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where it starts getting really questionable, um, and and so that there there is more in here. I mean, there's a story about uh, a lady who shoplifted at Walmart. They they didn't know who she was, but they could see her, so they ran her face through facial recognition software. They immediately found out, hey, this is probably who it is. They went to her house. Yeah, she ended up yeah. agreeing that she it did. Ended it. up pleading guilty. Pleading yeah, yeah, guilty. Yeah. Um, so you have that. Um, these stories are happening. Um, my question is how far we're going to go with it. Yeah. What's difficult too, you know, we're reading about these stories of things like shoplifting. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the, one of the people mentioned in the story, literally, I mean, it says the amount of money. Yeah. They, they stole $22 and 47 cents worth of merchandise. And I'm not saying that that's okay. Rather, I would actually say increasingly we're seeing cities, refuse to prosecute crimes of shoplifting and theft. I think that's a problem. That's a terrible thing. That's a crime that needs to be prosecuted and it needs to be done away with. We can't allow that to happen. Um, And so there's that. But it's easy when we read about these sort of petty little crimes and thefts and shoplifting to be like, man, this just seems like an invasion of privacy for not enough of a good reason Mm -hmm. to catch these little ticky-tacky criminals and, and crimes. But if we were reading about stories of people who committed rape, committed murder, right. committed kidnappings, whatever the case might be, yep. I feel like we would take a lot softer approach towards the AI and the facial recognition. And we would, I know I certainly would be more prone to be like, 
praise God for this technology that was instrumental in catching and prosecuting and punishing these criminals who commit these heinous acts. Yep. Um, so that's a part of where I'm at in this article too. I'm, I'm taking my brain to those places. And that's a part of what makes me say, I want this stuff to be available and used because I think it's going to be very helpful and very instrumental in punishing not just the little ticky-tack corner street, corner street criminals, but also the much more serious and heinous crimes. And to limit it on a on a basis of the smaller things, you know, seems okay. But I want it to be available for the bigger crimes too. I don't know. And, this and is well, and, such and a big that, discussion. But. Where that seems to drive me is that I, I think that it would be straightforward that you could get a warrant in cases yeah. like murder or rape or felonies so that there are, there are lines that you might land on mm-hmm. if you were to think about this a little more clearly because here, here for anyone who's kind of going, I don't, I don't know, I think you're splitting too many hairs here. Is there any reason right now that they don't pull up every person who didn't do a complete stop at a stop sign, every person who ran a red light? No. There's nothing on the books that says they can't do that. They're just choosing not to. Well, I'd like it to be a little more uh, clear than that as far as why the practice is the way that it is. Because a particular law enforcement officer could, they're humans, could choose to go after someone because they did have something like that on video. Yeah. I happen to know someone who was stopped on the interstate by a person who was impersonating a law enforcement <laughs> officer. Yikes. And if we don't know what they can and can't prosecute, they could stop you and say, I have video of you doing this, whether that was running a red light or if it was a view shoplifting. You need to know what, I mean, this is a principle of American government. You need to know what your rights are in that situation. And unfortunately, the woman whose story I know felt completely powerless when mm. stopped by a person impersonating a police officer and she was raped. Mm. And, and these are things that there is a reason why the court system exists as it does. There is a reason why we are tried by a jury of our peers. There is a reason why you have to have probable cause before you can investigate in certain ways. And that is because it is an imbalance of power if you don't know your rights. And we can't operate that way. If they're not clearly stated. If they're not clearly stated. Right. Right. Oh, I agree with that. That that gets back to kind of what I was saying. Like, really what what I think, where where my mind goes in this conversation more than anything is that we have to be having these policies, these laws, these things on the books that say what AI and automate and um, facial recognition can and can't be used for. Yeah. Because right now it's sort of the Wild West of, of AI. It really is. At, where, you know, you've got these, which is so funny in this article, it comes out that like, you know, they're asking that the police department, like, what are your policies? And they're like, well, our policies are written, you know, by this company. And they go to the company, oh, what are the policies? And like, well, they're not supposed to do that. Uh, you know, we're not responsible for that. We told them not to use it that way. It's kind of like, yeah, but aren't you specifically like, Aren't they a particularly special client of yours? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a special client of ours. We'd like to help the police in their work. Well, what do you think their work is? <laughs> Not prosecuting crimes. Like, well, but don't mention our names when you do it. Like, there's a lot of this sort of backpedaling, trying to avoid the blame, avoid the responsibility. That's what they're doing. They're wanting to avoid the responsibility and the legal ramifications that come with the responsibility. Um, both sides are. But someone has to take some responsibility and begin to 
and I think it, I think it needs to be the state, begin to implement some policies and some procedures, some regulations surrounding these things. But even if those regulations are put in place, the question still is, what is the enforcement going to look like? Yep. Are these things that they can enforce? Or can someone just pull up on their computer and do a quick search? Is it that easy? AI seems really easy to use right now. Have you ever used AI? Yeah. Well, I've just started recently, actually, when we were in Rome, um, with like picture editing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take a picture. This is simple, I recognize. But technology and, and the ability that used to... I mean, you used to have to pay someone to do this kind of work for you, mm-hmm. to take a photo and doctor it up and edit someone out or edit something in or uh, change the background from a cloudy day to a sunny day. It can be done in a few strokes of a keyboard now and look pretty darn real and pretty darn impressive. Um, but that's just one example of AI. You've got things like open source AI or... Um, chat GPT and these things that are pretty impressive forms of AI that are just free to anyone to use, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when it becomes so accessible and so readily available, regulation seems almost impossible, Mm -hmm. but, but that's where we are. It does. Uh, You mentioned a minute ago, um, organizations that are clients of these companies and, um, (laughs) It says right here on the third page of our article, uh, quote, the Indiana State Police, which became Clearview AI's first paying customer in 2020, agrees that we should not say identified or positively identified when using an AI. Uh, The agency has strict policies governing the use of facial recognition technology, particularly when the uh, Indiana State Police conducts searches for other law enforcement agencies through the state's Intelligence Fusion Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they say, quote, the result of a face recognition search is provided by the Indiana Intelligence Fusion Center only as an investigative lead and is not to be considered a positive identification of any subject, its policy stated as early as 2019, according to public documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are policies out there. This is one thing. Um, we are not so uh, so far behind that we go, what could a policy possibly be? Who, who would know how to come up with a policy? Oh, no, policies are out there. Uh, here's another one in the next uh, paragraph. Uh, quote, the South Bend Police Department takes this step further. According to SBPD Policy 343, any information gleaned from services like Clearview AI shall not be used as a basis for probable cause and shall not be used as evidence when obtaining a search or arrest warrant. Um, so there are questions and there are ideas about policy out there. We, we need them. Uh, we, we should not operate as if this is just a, an unencumbered good. Mm-hmm. Um it, it is it is dangerous, and power is, is always dangerous. It can be used, uh, a hammer can be used for a very good purpose. Sure. A hammer can be used for a very evil purpose. Yeah. That, that is the way that it works. So can $100. $100 can make somebody's day. $100 can ruin somebody's day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way power works. Yeah. So, what's, you know what's interesting, too, though, is that some of this comes down to semantics. Because no one on e- either the AI company or the police department, I mean, no one is saying in those in those groups that this technology shouldn't be useful or helpful in the process of getting from the crime to the conviction of the crime. What the company is saying is you shouldn't say 
we're, we're telling you not to say that a person was identified or positively identified with the use of AI. Right. And the, you know, you think about, you put yourself in the position of the officer and they're like, well, I mean, I did see the tape and I plugged it into the AI and it led me to the, the eventual conclusion that this was the guilty party. It was helpful. It helped me identify the person. They're like, yeah, we know. Just don't say that. <laughs> I was like, well, they're they're writing these affidavits honestly when they say, with the use or with the help of AI technology and facial recognition, yeah. we were able to get to the conclusion uh, that so and so committed the crime. And they're like, yeah, you can't say that, even though that's exactly what happened. And I don't, I don't know. Well, think about it like this. Um. We've seen these police dramas where uh, someone will be brought in, they're a witness to a crime, and they do a lineup where there's six people on the other side of a glass. Yeah. They say, can you pick out that one person? Or there's a card with six different uh, people on it, uh, and they're supposed to pick out that person. And it's considered uh, reasonable evidence in court yeah. if they could pick out that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very clear and easy comparison. Uh, <laughs> you're giving a super-powered computer... All the images that exist and saying, can you find somebody that looks like this? Okay, now tell me their name. Ah, yeah. You picked out this person out of hundreds of millions. Yeah. Is that an open and shut case? Or is it even open? I'm not saying it's an open and shut case. (laughs) I'm asking, is it reasonable to go, well, computer, if you picked this person out of the 300 million pictures that we have sounds pretty good to me yeah. yeah but i think what what is happening and even still is the concern is that they are having that happen and then they're using that to say now let's go get a warrant you know that becomes enough to get a warrant whereas the ai company is going well that shouldn't be enough for a warrant even we're, right. we're not even saying that right but the the law enforcement's going why not you know, mm-hmm. especially when it does seem to be in these cases that it is a pretty high percentage that it does end up being that person. Right. You know, it, it, it seems to me if we're going to represent it in a similar way to uh, to, like you said, a lineup, which is something they compare it to in here or a, uh, a polygraph test um, yeah. that it should at least be considered as an aspect of whether or not you should be able to get a warrant. Yeah. It should lead you to say, OK, who should we potentially investigate? And the AI points at that one and says, I think you should investigate that one. And we say, okay, based on that, I think we should investigate this person. Let's get a warrant and and start this process. I, yeah. There are a whole host of questions. Say, for instance, what computers do is they arrange according to likelihoods. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you'll be looking for someone who matches your features and then it will look first at people who live in this region. Sure, right. If someone is passing through here, say from Canada to Mexico, and they commit a crime, and they look like me, does the AI and does the law enforcement even have to say, well, sure, there are more matches than this one person, uh, but we investigated this one person, and he couldn't account for his whereabouts. So we continued. Because here is here is sort of where this can land that we should uh, also... Uh, make clear it says here uh on page five of the article quote fewer than five percent of criminal cases in indiana ever go to trial instead defendants are encouraged to enter into plea agreements Mm -hmm. it remains unclear 
uh, how often Evansville police leverage Clearview AI results to help establish probable cause that a specific person committed a crime. An individual cannot stand up to the power of the state in terms of finance already. If someone wanted to crush you in terms of litigation, the main question is how much money are they willing to spend versus how much you can spend in your defense. The state is already more powerful than individuals in ways like that. This is another way where the state is going to become so much more powerful than an individual. And it all just needs to be above board. One thing that I can just clearly argue is all this needs to be open and above board. Yeah. Uh, and, and right now we don't know what, what is open and what's not because this has all come along so quickly. And I, I want to say here that uh, behind all of what we've talked about, I've been thinking about um, the way this process is outlined in the scriptures. And, and this cr- process, uh, one thing to make clear is, 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 are all crimes sins? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> because it is unlawful to preach the gospel in some countries. Yeah. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are mandated by God. This, there's, a, there's an instance in the book of Acts where they are told, the disciples are told, don't speak about this Jesus anymore. And they say, we got to obey God rather than men. Yep. Um, And so you have that. So then are, uh, are most crimes sins? Say, yeah. Now um, you could think of it in concentric circles. Um, There, there are plenty of sins that are not crimes. For sure. It is not a crime to lust after a woman. It is a crime to lust after a woman and then, rape a woman right um so that what are crimes well what what societies do is they make judgments together about what are the limits that that are acceptable for people to behave uh in terms of daily life um can someone say something rude to someone else yes in our country they can can someone yell fire in uh, a crowded room when there's no fire? No, they can't. That's actually against the law. Right. Um, so in general, freedom of speech, we, we only impose very few limits on freedom of speech. We, yeah. we value that highly. Um, can you steal someone else's property? No. If someone drops something out of their car on the road, can you pick it up? Yeah. In general, you can. Yeah. They're, they're, this is what we do. We make these judgments as a society about what is reasonable and what is allowable based upon our own judgments of our limitations and of, of what is just uh, wise about daily life. What are the limits? But then what the Christian gospel says is that we are after a goal, which is a change of heart to where people don't want to break the law anymore and not just break that they don't want to break the government's laws, that they don't want to break God's law, which is the whole point anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's literally, everybody legislates morality. It's just whose morality is being sure. legislated. Right. Um, and so that's part of what's going on here too. Um, this is, uh, people use morality and ethics sometimes in different ways. Some people will say morality is more about between man and God and, and sort of inner things and ethics are more about man's relationship to man. Um, this is an area that's that's um, kind of about ethics, if you speak in that sense uh, more. But we cannot. Uh, it, one thing you can know is that we don't do very well at thinking through moral issues today. And if you set up a system thinking, "Oh, it's fine because the gun's pointed at somebody else, not me," <laughs> that's foolish. 
Yeah. The gun may be pointed at you. It may take a year, 5, 10, 20, 30, or it may be pointed at your kids one day. Right. You shouldn't set up unjust laws. Right. It's foolish. But it's easy to do because we all, in our self-righteousness, tend to think, oh, yes, other people should pay for their wrongdoing. Oh, that's interesting. Do you want to pay for your wrongdoing? Yeah. And, yes, we do believe that the rule of law should be upheld and that people should be punished for their crimes. But there is a system in place in the scriptures. I mean, this is all this stuff is all the way back uh, in Exodus. Don't ball, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Again in Exodus, you shall not bear a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Specifically, it says to humans, "Hey, you got a conscience. Don't do this." You hear me when I'm saying this? Don't do this. But we're using tools that in some ways we view them, I think. Well, there's a there's witness number one. All it takes is one more witness. That's not at all clear to me. That's not at all clear to me, especially as you go on. Um, numbers five, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, if any man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, and a man has intercourse with her and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband and she is undetected, although she has defiled herself and there is no witness against her and she has not been caught in the act, she will not be punished. Mm-hmm. Think about what just happened here. In the Bible, of which most people are just expecting to lay the hammer down at the end, it says, nope, there's only one witness. We don't act on one witness. Yeah, It's not enough. You can't just, because God knows about the malice that lives in the heart of man, which is, oh, I'm ready to crush anybody other than me. Who does evil? And he lays out guidelines saying, here's the just cause. Mm -hmm. This is when you've got enough evidence. This is when it's not enough evidence. And we have to be really clear about that because we cannot just go, oh, well, I I don't have time to think about the fact that other people are, I mean, other people today are being dragged into jail. Listen, justice for them means they will answer for whatever crime, but the punishment has to fit the crime. Sure. Sure. And they get, they get uh, to live under the rule of law. Mm-hmm. It is an orderly process that they can expect. We have to work out that orderly process. Yeah. And we, it, is, it is not just to live in a society where some people go, ah, this is all too costly, too time-consuming. Let me just jump over a few barriers here because get this over with. we got to move on. It's like, <laughs> that's all good until that's you walking yeah. through that unjust process. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think all that is true and right. I, I think... The difference comes down to like, and and sort of what I've been saying. I don't think that AI should be a facial recognition should be used as like a the facial recognition caught you, prosecute. Mm-hmm. I think it, it it shouldn't be used in that way. It should never be used like, sort of referencing the 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 biblical accounts here and the regulations and scripture. It shouldn't be used. I think even as one of the two witnesses, I'd say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it I do. Th- I mean, I'm okay with it being used as a tool, just like all kinds of technologies that are used as a tool to help answer the questions of who committed this crime and to help get to the point of punishment. Um, and so, so yes, I, I think the biblical texts you've cited here apply and help. I think they should help inform how we create regulations surrounding AI. Uh, I don't think they're an argument for removing AI. I think they're an argument for saying. AI can't be one of these witnesses that's Agreed. required for this crime to be prosecuted. Um, but yeah, I, I do. Um, I think there's a lot of questions that this even just raises in my own head as I think about this issue of of what does the future look like? What is the usefulness of AI and the and the tools 
uh, that we have at our disposal, the, the tools of technology that we have. Um, because I think about something like, like fingerprint or DNA evidence um, that is pretty useful, not only pretty useful, leaned on and relied upon heavily. What if, as it may very well get to, what if AI gets that good, gets to the point that the consistency and the accuracy is so pinpointed that we can use it almost in the same way as fingerprinting and DNA? At that point, does the discussion change to say, this is one more technology, your f- fingerprint, your DNA, your face that was analyzed and mm-hmm. is with 99.9% accuracy determined to be you, uh, can that begin to be used in an even more pronounced way in prosecution than what we're saying here, than just a like an anonymous tip? Um, I think we might eventually come to that place. Yes, and... and- um, Would you be open to it if, if, like those other technologies, it is studied and proven itself to be that reliable and that consistent, like a fingerprint? Yeah, you, without a doubt, you need to know um, what it can and can't do. Yeah. What is its margin for error? I mean, right. this, in the courts, it just what takes they, time. Yes, and 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 in the courts, what they will do about you know fingerprints? Well, if it's a four point match, if it's a thirteen point match, right? You'll bring in an expert, and they'll they'll have competing experts. Say, oh, I think this is pretty good. I don't think this is very good. You know, um, we don't we're not doing any of that with this technology right now. Um, and these things should be. I, I know it will make some of this more complicated, but it is no good to bypass these steps. Um, we cannot settle for injustice. Uh, we, we just can't. And, and, and so that's, that's why I uh, feel that way about it. One thing that I do want to say as far as um, uh, one thing that uh, say this in order to say that American pragmatism, meaning, well, it works, so we're going to do it. Well, that's one thing that you can be sure of. Americans <laughs> operate off of pragmatism. And so this thing is going to keep going forward. We're, yeah. We are marching toward 1984 in a lot of ways. And, and that's, it, it is what it is. Okay, then we should, anyone who hears this, know that the future means you're going to be punished more for your lack of self-control. In whatever ways you lack self-control, it will be known, it will be recorded, and it may be used against you. And, and that's a simple fact that it, the, the mm-hmm. future indicates that that is the truth. Every side, every uh, line that you're seeing right now is going towards that reality. Okay, what do we do about that? Well, uh, if you are hearing me, flee to Jesus who gives forgiveness for your lack of self-control and gives you a means by which to obtain self-control. But you live in a world right now that says, Oh, you said something stupid when you were 15? Well, it was recorded, and now everybody gets to know about it, and this is reprehensible. There is no forgiveness for using this word. Right. I, I do think this is a part of our anxiety that should be anxious when you have celebrities who are daily getting blasted for things that they have said. Right. Well, you think they should be able to say that? I think they should be able to say it. Yes, I think that they should be accountable to someone for it. I don't think they should be accountable to random dude who wants to yeah. just flame them on the internet. That's for, what for we're everything for, for if, everything if, for say. everything yeah. forever. That's yeah. where we live right now. Yeah. No, that's 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 a certain kind of hell. Yeah, to be subjected to the wrath of some other person for all of reality. Yeah. and that's where we've invented. 
we're mm-hmm. connecting people. That's one of the ways that we're connecting people. Yeah. It's not all bad, but yeah. um, here's what I'll, I'll say to that. And, and as we sort of wrap up one thing, one other way that the direction my mind absolutely goes with this, when we think about, like you just said, we are increasingly moving to or towards a, essentially a surveillance state mm-hmm. where we are constantly, we already are basically there. We're mm-hmm. constantly being watched and listened to um, by devices, by things. There's not always someone looking at that, but it's there and access to it is probably available to someone. Almost everything that we say and do is being watched uh, and surveilled It's in some way. Um, and, and the argument here is, as we move towards using those things in prosecution, it becomes very much this idea of, of a fear-based someone is watching and therefore I have to stay in line so that I don't get caught kind of mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we believe that our God is ever-present, mm-hmm. that he is at all places at all times. And we know that he is watching everything we do. Right. Nothing that we do goes unseen or unchecked by God. And we'll answer for everything we've done. Whether we will answer for everything we've done, whether in public or in private. We are now increasingly, I think, what this conversation does for me, it causes me to feel the weight of that reality in a more real way. That when you think about the fact that the government or someone is hearing things you're saying, your your cell phone provider, the internet, All Facebook, of what we've everything. talked about is being recorded on a computer with a camera pointed at me right now. Yes. Um, it makes you realize, man, I should really take account of the things I'm doing, the things I'm saying. We This whole conversation has been, and just like it is in society, with regards to the state, to, um, to big tech, all these things, as Christians, that we ought to at least take a point here and say... This really is the reality we ought to consider when it comes to the, to the Lord, when it comes to God. Yes. That everything you do, while it might not be known to anyone else, mm-hmm. it is known to God. And you will give an account for that one day. Right. And so I'm shifting gears here, I recognize, yeah. that I'm taking this, this uh, application, this secular, worldly application, and giving it, applying it to spiritual realities. But this is the case. And I think we need to recognize this, um, that everything that we do and say is known to God. Nothing is done in secret. He is uh, he is sovereign over all things, and he is hearing and seeing everything that we do. What are what are that what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you on judgment day? Right. If the Lord were to on judgment day look at me and all the things that I've done and he knows every one of them, what would he say? Okay, I'll tell you what he should say. He should say, You're guilty. I don't even need to provide you with any evidence. You know it. You're guilty. Uh, see ya, go to hell. Mm-hmm. In Christ Jesus, that is not the reality. For those who trust in Christ, though, if the Lord were to lay out all of their deeds, all of their words, all of their thoughts, condemnation would rightly be theirs. But in Christ Jesus, as Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. We begin to feel the weight of that and the importance of that when we realize all the things that we do and all the things that we would never want other people to know about that we have done and committed and yet God knows them all. And yet, in Christ Jesus, we are justified before him. Yeah. And he does not condemn us. That's a beautiful reality that the gospel teaches us. And one that we begin to feel the weight of when we feel the weight of our sin and the weight of the fact that the Lord sees and knows all the thoughts and the actions of men. Right. What we've been discussing is um, your crimes may find you out. Um, what the Bible says in Numbers 32 is your sin will find you yeah. out. Yeah. And 
we should not be so concerned about our crimes that we miss the more important and deeper reality yes. that your sins will find you out, but there is hope beyond those. It is concerning to me when I see how spiritually run down people are to think about how much of a struggle it is for them to live in a world where, listen, you may be on blast today, tomorrow, the next day for the things that you've done that are reprehensible. Yeah, that that's rightly a concern, but there is hope mm-hmm. um, in our world that is right now so starving for hope. These are things that become burdens that are too deep to bear, too, yeah. too heavy to bear. And, and, and I think that it is. Um, all these principles laid out in the Bible culminate in great news. Though God's law is heavy, it already fell on Jesus, and that debt has now been paid. Find yourself in him because you can have all the newness of life that he gained when he rose from the dead, and sin could no longer hold him. Amen. And the, the accuser who could say, all these people who, who Jesus looked in the eyes and said, oh, Jesus, I'll tempt you and you'll fall just like David who lusted. And just like, just like all those Old Testament saints who supposedly would follow God, oh, some of them it was red stew that they, they had no <laughs> strength against. Yeah. Some of them it was gluttony. Some of them it was pride. They all fell. And then Jesus withstood the temptation. Yeah. And then he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And that accuser was defeated. And mm-hmm. so that is the hope beyond all of this. But I, I wanted to talk about this because this is, um, the importance of this is literally, uh, this is a moment in history that we're seeing turnover. Uh, when your sins can find you out, when your crimes can find you out this easily, um, so it should give us all pause to go, what is my hope? Yeah. Uh, what if it comes out that I've done more bad slash evil things than other people know about? Yep. Well, I hope that you can find your identity in something other than your crimes or your sins because you need to. That's right. Uh, those things are going to tell you something about yourself that's not pleasant, yeah. that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, uh, as far as are, are we for... Uh, Law enforcement, yes. Sure. Romans 13 says that Caesar bears the sword. And he bears the sword for a reason. But what, it is more complicated than when you find out that Uncle Sam bears the video camera <laughs> and that he has uh, a helper. Uh, he has a PC that he's sitting at that it's can go. It's a Mac. No, it's a Mac. It's a Mac. Yeah, <laughs> that sure. he has a, a computer that he's sitting at that can help him to sort out that data. Okay, we just have further questions to sort out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are for, we are thankful. We believe God has ordained government to punish the wrongdoer because yeah. wrongdoers should be punished. Well, how? Yeah, that's a lot to work out there. Punishment should fit the crime and all that. And so this has been yeah. a, a very uh, we good don't discussion want, to have. Yeah, we don't want a government. We don't want a system that punishes the evil doer, doer, but that is devoid of any grace or any idea of redemption or any idea of mercy. Yeah, and, well. or that steps outside of its bounds. It, 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 it has yeah. it has its realm, and it should not operate beyond its realm. Correct. But its power is increasing, so we should ask these questions. Yeah, good stuff. Well, man, I'm glad uh, you're back. I'm glad to be back. I, hey, let's do this again. I agree. And try not to wait a month and a half to do it. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Well, this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future.